Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Kay. And this week we're looking at season four, episode three, The Impossible Dream, in which Frasier is haunted by the inexplicability of an amorous nocturnal visitation by Jill Chester. By Gil Chester. Does it Jill? By you Gil did so well with that amorous nocturnal visitation. <laughs> that was fine. And then I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> Listeners, that is what you're getting. Um, this week, I think we've had some discussions of dreams on the podcast before. I, I can't quite recall. So I'm gonna ask what the strangest dream you've ever had is. Or what your dream recall is like more generally If the first question is too hard to answer The strangest dream I've ever had It's hard to say because I'm someone I remember dreams in the short term But then in the long term I forget them Right So if I have a if I have a dream that I've dreamt before I will have completely forgotten I had a recurring dream hmm. Until the moment I have that dream again And then I'll remember it And then I'll forget about it again a few weeks later If that makes sense Really? Okay So when I was a kid I had a recurring dream hmm. And I can't remember what it was, but I remember like at some stage in the dream, and I think I, I must have still been asleep, is I'd, I'd wake up and I'd try and scream and no sound would come out. Yeah, that's classic, that is. Um, and then I'd finally wake up properly. Um, so that I'm going to say that was probably the weirdest one, the, mm. the inability to scream. Have you ever had sleep paralysis? Because that's very, very linked. Have you ever had that? Or do you know what sleep paralysis is? I'm assuming it's when you can't move. It's basically where you wake up, well, your, your mind is conscious that you're awake, but your body's still asleep and dreaming. Um, and it's, ve- it's very uh, kind of hallucinations are very rife during that st- status of your body. Um, okay. So people often see like people in their room, like figures and things that look really lifelike. Mm. Um, like I've had like, like a dark figure like, standing over my bed. I can hear people like, breathing in my ear. Um, but it's all it's all just sleep paralysis and you wake up and it's just like it's horrible um you know and some people suffer from it really bad no i fortunately i've never had it to that stage thank uh, god not, nothing like that you'd so, know if you'd had it so it's but, good that you that you yeah that you, so have, you must have a lot of weird dreams and if you've ever had that. i i mean i don't i'm not going to go on a massive on a monologue about this but i have insane dreams almost nightly um yeah. and I, i'm really glad about that because they're really interesting and you can yeah. like you know I like that I love thinking but about when them. I have a good dream and I tell like Sean the day after mm. and I'm like, oh, what was your dream about? And she's like, oh, I had some toast. <laughs> like, that's, that's not and a dream. I'm, and I'm like, yeah, I was in the Borneo jungle with Steve McQueen, like slaying a <laughs> dragon or something. Um, but yeah, like my dream recall has always been pretty good as well. Like I, I can remember dreams that I had when I was a kid. Um, like, like there's nightmares I had when I was like seven, eight, nine years old. I can still remember now. They were that terrifying. So is it only the bad dreams you can remember? Or can you no, remember I, can, like a... I, can, I can remember lots of good ones. And I have like a dream journal on my phone. So when I can be asked and I wake up, I put them into the into the journal. So I can, that's a really good way of improving your recall. Um, I think one, the one I will mention, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's Halloween almost. So it's kind of, it's kind of themed is a, a recurring nightmare my brother used to have when we lived at our old house in in, in the town we're from. Did I mention this? I vaguely remember. The guy yeah, on the I... motorbike. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so before, if listeners yeah. can't remember, a guy appears on a motorbike and like every time my brother runs to like a window or a door, he's just passing out of sight. And then right at the end, he sees this like clawed hand come around the door frame. And um, yeah, my brother said he used to have that a lot. Um, I, was inter- I don't think I've ever had a recurring dream, but I've had some pretty terrifying nightmares in my time. Um, I, I definitely had a, a recurring dream as a kid and I feel like a dragon was involved. Wow. Um, it's classic. But 
It, it was weird because at a stage, you get to the point where I think I've been here before. I've, mm. I remember that dragon. Wait a minute, dragon. <laughs> I recognise your accent. But um, then you can't do anything about it. The dream carries on in the same way. You're just like, oh, this is a bit deja vu going on here. That's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I've mentioned before as well how like a lot of my nightmares always concern doorways and people coming around the doorway really slowly. Mm. Um and I've gotten really good at like waking myself up before the nightmare begins, as it were. Oh, yeah. Like, I've gotten really good at like, I, I, my brain says, right, you're about to get scared. And then I literally wake up like that. It's really good. Um, Honestly, I wish I could have done that with 10 minutes to go at the football yesterday. That's <laughs> <laughs> the villa, up. the nightmare you cannot wake up from. Uh, <laughs> uh, if anyone sends in any villa abuse, you're getting blocked from all our <laughs> yeah, socials. You're, um, off, you're off the podcast. Again. Yeah, you're, you're no off. longer part of the We're Listening Faithful. Um, but yeah, listeners, tell us about your recurring dreams your nightmares literally not metaphorically speaking because otherwise they'll get very deep talking about your <laughs> your life's nightmares um shall we took ourselves into trivia corner this week eh? yeah let's do it mate excellent so we have our usual batch from uh hamish and Corey and co so i'll open this week eh, with hamish for you rudy mm-hmm. rudy the crier i believe who calls into the show is portrayed by Christopher Durang. He also features as an actual character in a later season six episode. Name that episode. This is quite hard. So I will say it's quite an iconic episode in terms of the plot. Um, It's not just like a random episode, like, I don't know, you know, High Crane Drifter or something. It's it's very specific. Harsh harsh criticism there. I I love High Crane Drifter. It was in my like top top of that season. So Christopher, it's not Rudy who appears. It's Christopher Durang who voices Rudy the Cryer. Yeah, I've got no. I don't. I don't know who Christopher Durang is. And neither do I. So you're really shooting in the dark here. Um, I'll give you. What's the word? Um, okay, here's one clue. Yeah. For listeners, I just clapped my hands once. Okay, clap. Mm. Um. Jeez, oh, I'm struggling. Um, clap, clap. Um, gonna tap out. I think I'm gonna have to. I'm just. It's the the seal who came to dinner. Um, and it's you know there's the lamp where they clap and it comes on and comes off and it keeps lighting up and the oh, head seals on the beach. That was uh, not helpful. <laughs> the clap. What the hell? That's like an iconic part of the plot. No, I was gonna think clap. Oh yes, that episode where they clap. You know what? You haven't seen the seal who came to dinner enough. <laughs> that's what. That's your problem. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. This is a rare, a rare faltering start for the great trivia maestro here in Lele. Okay. Question two. What did Martin think was scary for kids? West Side Story. Yeah, specifically gangs. Yeah, especially ones. That sang, that danced, very close. <laughs> um, I was just, I rewatched um, someone to watch over me the other day, and we were just thinking how West Side Story is when those three come out from behind the car in the car. Park. <laughs> oh, isn't it? Um, like you expect a full musical number and yeah, choreography. Absolutely. Um, trivia from Little Owlet in the Glen. Mm-hmm. According to Martin, for how many seconds is it acceptable for a man to touch the shoulder of another man? Is it two seconds? Uh, absolutely spot on, two seconds. <laughs> that is just not the case when I see you, Key. I grab oh. you in for that bear hug and I'm not letting you go. Um, it reminds me of, um, I mean, I'll probably write this for the review, another TV show where a character says, there's only three acceptable emotions for a man to feel. Anger, arousal, and itchy. 
<laughs> I don't know what that's from. Uh, it's from a TV show called Better With You, which I think uh, I've mentioned before. Better With You, yes, you have. Um, trivia from Mrs. Guzman Crane. How many lime wedges were visible around the tequila bottle in Fraser's Dream? Great question. Good question. Yeah. yeah. Um, lime wedges. Lime wedge. I mean, it's going to be two or three, isn't it? I was going to say, if you imagine you're you're using one wedge per shot and the average number of shots someone might take, maybe that'll help. I I feel one of us is a big drinker, much more of a bigger drinker than the other. I mean, Um, I'm a big fan of tequila. And let me just say, I don't need a lime slice when I take my (laughs) shots. So (laughs) Uh, let's say three. Oh, magical three. Spot on, Key. Well doubt, always say three. That's three not... for the key. You love to see it. Okay, trivia from this from this batch to, to end things and run for your life. When Nars and Frasier are sitting in Cafe Novosa, name the steps in which Frasier psychoanalyzes his dream. Bonus if you get them in the correct order. I think this is when they're doing the word association. Like, mm, 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 like that. Pres- was it a crescent lamp? Or... Crescent lamp. Apricot jam? Yeah. Hunger? Yeah. Diet? Correct. There's there's one between hunger and diet that you've missed, and one between crescent lamp and apricot jam. Was it like a critic, maybe, instead of between hunger and diet? It's like critic, critic or restaurant or hunger? No, it's, 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 it, in fact, the, the two words you're missing are very, very related. Food. 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 Um, the other word is a type of food. Crescent lamp. Any names a type of food? Oh, God. Um, Any names? Crescent lamp. Crescent. Crescent. What, what, what famous continental breakfast foods are crescent shaped? Croissant. Is it croissant? Croissant. <laughs> Um, and also, it says here, croissant butter. I think there might need to be a... I think they're meant to put a comma between... I, I'm not, I can't remember. I'm assuming there's a comma between croissant, butter, apricot jam. So butter is also one. Okay. Um, but, I mean, you gave that as good as a stab as any, and you got more than 50% there, so you get the point as far oh, as you. I am concerned. <laughs> um, do you want to hit me with your cues, Kate? I have a feeling they've maybe one of them's been stolen or something. Sometimes I just get that energy. Um, that okay, forward. question number... I don't think any have been stolen so far. Oh, gorgeous. Question number one. Right, on How brother. old is Frasier in this episode? How old is he? Yeah, we get a we get a, an age. I have no idea in terms of actually remembering it from the episode, so I'm just gonna have to take a punt at 43 or four. I'm gonna say 43. You'd be correct. Yeah, he's yeah. 43. It's a little late for latency. A little late for latency. There we go. That is spot on. Strong start. Also, there. yeah, I mean, I've got comments on this later, and we won't get into it. But I mean, Frasier questioning his sexuality at forty-three is a bit insane. But there we go. Um, you know, I think yeah, he would have. I think he would have known. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, people know very early in their life. <laughs> it's a bit of a strange one. We'll get to that in the episode. We'll get to okay. That. Yeah. In this episode, yeah, who got sloppy? Oh, it's the woman who should never have gone back to Zurich. No, she should not have gone back to Zurich. You don't know the woodchuck and his ways. I hate that line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that monologue. And then I think that ruins it. But we'll get into that. Um, 
I don't know why. I have the name Marlena. Well, it is Marlena. Yes. Oh so my I, God. So. I watched this episode about two weeks ago. So and you are flying so far. Man alive. Is this, is this turtleneck? Can you bring it home? Okay. The three out of three. Let's go, brother. Okay. Who wouldn't leave the house because she was so concerned about her appearance? Who wouldn't leave the house because she was so concerned with her appearance? Yeah. I have no idea. I'm just going to guess Maris. So I, I'm not sure if this is the person who left, who left, caused her to leave the house or wouldn't leave the house. Um, I've got Miss Clairol. So oh. when they're talking about... Okay. The, yeah, say, um, the, say the likes. I think I understand the joke here. Yeah, so they're talking about um, the the show and the dire callers that they've had in. And Ross says, oh, it wasn't so bad. What about the woman who wouldn't leave the house because she was so concerned about her appearance? And Fraser says, that was a commercial. I believe Miss Clairol solved the problem. Uh, yeah, so Clairol is is what a beauty product, isn't it? Clairol is the is oh, the okay. name of the um, the hair colour. Well, Miss Clairol um, solved the problem, though. So Miss Clairol, he's making a little pun, I think, on the, on the brand name. Um, but damn it, I like the question regardless, and I did not, I did not remember that commercial. But it's a really good line with Miss Clairol solved the problem. Um, great stuff, Kay. Is that everything for your? Oh, that is everything from me. Two out of three, I'll take that. Not You're too doing bad. Very well, mate. Doing how well. long ago it is since I've seen this episode? <laughs> um, there we go. Okay, MK question one for you, Kay. How many years roughly have passed between this episode and when Martin refused to take Frasier to see West Side Story? Okay, so we know that Fraser's 43. And I think West Side Story was around his... Did he want to go for his eighth birthday, I think? So I'm assuming that we don't know. We're not given the exact time, are we? So um, I'm going to say like 35 years on the basis of that. Spot on. Oh, Absolutely spot thank on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Fraser says he's 43 now and he wanted to see West Side Story on his eighth birthday. Expertly deduced there from Key. Which three people does Roz think are the subjects of Fraser's dream before she figures out its gill? And what are their jobs? Herself, producer. Producer. <laughs> it could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sheila, the slow intern. Yes, yeah. Oh, and then there's someone in accounting. It's the classic accountant's name. Is it Gina? Yes! Gina I mean, in accounting? On nothing but the energy in the cosmos right now, Gina in accounting sounds like a dish. Am I right? I think Gina in accounting sounds like a bitch. Like, Bro, whoa! I feel, <laughs> I feel like she's the person you go to with your expenses, and she's like, well, we're not expensing that. That's your. That's a personal liability. That is. Wow. Like, we're, not, we're not paying for that. Two very, very different <laughs> approaches of Gina. There, listeners. Which side do you fall on the Gina debate? <laughs> um, what time is it when Frasier ultimately sorts out the meaning behind his dream? What time is it in real life? Oh, do, do we get a time? Martin says he gives a time stamp, a rough time stamp. Oh. I mean, you can tell. I mean, it's it's late, isn't it? They're both up when they shouldn't be. It's like, oh god, it's two a.m. Hmm. Enough. Like, I'm gonna say, yeah, two a.m. 
Martin says after 3 a.m. So close, Kiwi. You know, it's in the wee small hours, to quote the chairman of the board. Trivia from Niall Crane. In the second scene in the office, how many pieces of paper did Roz have and give to Frasier? His little Um, memos and his missives and his his things. (laughs) I do not remember at all. Um, Well, if in doubt, go three. Three. It's three. <laughs> Unbelievable. God's sake. Um, trivia from Hot House Orchid to finalise things this week, Keith. From which restaurant does Gil attempt to tempt Frasier with a pastry? An incredible line, which I'm not going to say just yet. Is it like Shizu or um, Shizus? Or it's you're so close. She says. Um... <laughs> It's, it's a Shay something, and the second one sounds very similar. It is Shay Shay. Oh, Shay um, Shay. But I think if we like, if you check the subtitles of the scripting, Shay is not spelt the same as the first Shay. So it's like Shay as in S H E A, as in okay. like Shay's place, Shay Shay. Um, bonus joke question How would you describe the motel room? Um, cozy? If I was, well, am I trying to sell it or not? I would say it, it. it's cozy. I've got here Fifty Shades of Grey. I presume just because it's a very, very grey room, other than the the red neon. So a lovely little uh, little bonus there from from Caitlin. Um, some top trivia there. So a great little yeah. trivia corner. Thank you, everyone. As always, keep them coming. Um, I think Crane's critiques have been sorted for us because we're obviously we're a couple of weeks behind. So um, excited for that next week. Shall we jump into the review? Yes, don't mind. Excellent. So um, I've actually put key. This is my. I don't know if you notice. I. I, I at the beginning of every new season of our podcast, I put a new jingle as the intro from one of the variations of, okay. of the yeah. And the one I've used for season four is the one from this episode. Um, wow. and it's it's used on a few episodes. It's my favorite one. Um, it's the one that goes like dun 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 dun. Do you know can you hear it in your head? Dun 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 dun. <laughs> could be any jingle ever. That's, I feel like I'm at the center. I've been told to turn my phone off. Dun 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 dun. Please turn off your phones. Uh, well, this is my favorite theme, incidentally. So, it, you know, royally off to a good start. Um, we open in a seedy hotel room with a glowing red neon light. I've put this is very Lynchian, as in the director David Lynch. He's he, he's big into noir and motel rooms and blinds and neon signs and um, there's just a lot going on in this intro and it opens unlike any Fraser episode we've seen to this point. I think it's a really strong opening. It is. It's very like <clears throat> I got very like gritty, like hard boiled. Yeah, like nineties yeah. vibes, like eighties like film where it's a gritty, seedy motel. Mm. This isn't a comedy. This isn't a sitcom. This is gonna yeah. be a rough, rough. Oh yeah. Minutes. This is this is LA confidential, baby. Yes, it no, is, that's <laughs> the vibes I was getting. That's the vibes I'm getting. Um I, I, I incidentally I love the sound of the shower. Like when I'm in bed and someone is showering. When I was a kid, because my bedroom was right next to the bathroom, I used to love it if like one of my parents was like showering or whatever, just in the bathroom next door. Just a really cozy sound while I was sleeping. It's like they were there next door. Like re- I can't explain it, but like when Fraser's lying in bed, you know, someone's in there. I'm like, oh yeah, it's just, <laughs> just snug as a book. I'm, I'm so you like I'm, I get like the sound of the rain and stuff like that. Mm. I've never heard anyone like the sound of the shower is so cozy. It's just the, the the beautiful, the, the gentle ambient hum of domestic life, Kate. You don't know what I mean. Yeah, but then I, they start singing in the shower. Oh, there's like, not. Do you 
<laughs> and it's just he's like he's ruined the whole mood. I am the only person for well, unfortunately for those who live with me, that sings in this house. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I I do sing in the shower. Like, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I love singing in the shower. Um, I don't know what it is. Since you're in there, it's like you're it's in fire in the booth or something. On, like honestly, it's the acoustics. If you, even if you're tone deaf, you can you can belt out a tune. In the oh shower. yeah, it's, you can go full Liza Minnelli in there. Um. <laughs> Frazier notices the chesty tattoo now on his on his left forearm, I believe. Um, I don't know. You probably wouldn't have seen this because I don't think you remember a Frasier fan club at the time. I did recreate this iconic moment in, in a four-panel uh, picture. So I had one of me asleep. Then I had one of me awake. Then I had one of my arm. And then the final one looking really scared. I do feel like I've seen this. You see actually, that? And it got, yeah. it got like, I don't know, 100, 200 likes or something, you know, which isn't wow. isn't huge numbers for Fraser Fan Club. But, um, you know, people people got a kick out of that. And that's pretty much my only ever cameo on there. Um, <laughs> I feel like I should recreate more miniature scenes. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's an appetite for it. I don't know. Um, who enters the room now, Key, from the bathroom? And what's your reaction to seeing this figure? I mean, we got the what can only be described as beautiful Gil Chester. I keep going in jail now. It's, honestly, it's I've ruined it for all of us. It's unexpected. I think it's fair to say. Mm. I was I was not expecting Gil. I mean, obviously Chesty. Obviously, the second you see him, it all clicks and you get it. But you're not in any way expecting Gil to appear, and um, it's obviously not immediately apparent that he's a dream until he appears, and, and then Frage obviously sits up mm. um, but yeah it's it's a bit of a it's a it's a 180 it's a strange start it's a, such a different start to probably any other Frasier episode to date mm. that it really throws you off and it's a really good it grabs your attention it's a good opening I, I do love the, the kind of the rug being pulled out here a lot of expectations are subverted I think um after this scene, we're in KSCL, and I think there's a, a young lad on the phone, embarrassed by his parents, voiced by, did you catch oh, I him? think, is it Kieran Culkin? It is Kieran Culkin. I'm not going to go on a big tangent here, but are you familiar or watch any of Succession? Um, I, no, but I saw an advert for it the other day, and I was thinking, oh, I want to watch that. So I mean, 10 episodes a season, I'm about to finish season two. It is incredible. Um, I mean, everyone's raving about it. Like, you don't need me to tell you it's good, but it's it's stupidly good. Um, and he's really good in it. They're all, everyone in the show is utterly, like, reprehensible, and you hate them all. And it's like, every episode is like, who do I hate the most this episode? Um, they're all vile people. And I think it's like, it's so weird that it's not so compelling when there's no nice characters. Um, but that's the beauty of it. But yeah, he's, he's really good. Great ensemble. Um, what specifically is he embarrassed by? I can't remember. Um, what are his parents doing? I I think they're just like really stupid. Oh, I don't know. he's one, he's one like of those kids. Really stupid. I really 40, hate that. Like fourteen. I'd, <laughs> I'd be so embarrassed if I'd raised a child who was like embarrassed by my intellect or something because they were just like stupidly smart. Like I just think that's really disrespectful. You know what I mean? I I feel like it's just really like generally quite lazy writing to have like a teenager. Like, mm. Oh yeah, my parents are so stupid. Like. Are kids like that? I don't think I've ever met a kid who's like, yeah, my parents are so stupid. Yeah, like, unless they were like yeah. some very privileged, like Mensa kid. Yeah. It seems unlikely. Um, I don't feel that they'd be in a conversation with me. Like, I feel they just have their nose in a book and they're like, yelling, you know. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to check family background with you. Okay? I'm <laughs> isn't, who do you think you are? <laughs> Get away from me. Um, Frasch is obviously lamenting the fact now that he's not getting enough juicy calls, as it were. He says, where are the souls of genuine torment? Um, 
very kind of Faustian line. I, I taught Faust to the, the class I'm teaching last week. Are, are you familiar with the Faust legend? Okay. Isn't it like you do a bargain with the devil? Essentially, yeah, yeah. that's what Faust does. And I mean, that is just, that sounds like it's coming out of Faust's mouth or Mephistopheles or someone. It's just, yeah. I think, incidentally, Kelsey would be a very good Faust. He has the, the yeah, kind of... Got- the arrogance, uh, but also the the kind of vulnerability. Only I don't know it. why though. I can only picture him with him having a goatee. Mm. He needed a goatee for the role. I, I think it's because Kelsey. I think I'm thinking of his Chaucer from Halloween. Yeah, you know, smite <laughs> you with the sinewy back of me right hand. Every <laughs> set. Um, I, my next line here was, "I have intimate dreams often." Have you, Kate? I mean, we've already talked. <laughs> we've already talked about that. I forgot what my notes were. Um, Kelsey's body language when Gill enters now phenomenal like and just a great instance of, of kelsey's uh, physical comedy just being fantastic he kind of like does a little bit of a shimmy he kind of like rises slowly from the chair i mean how, how good is this oh, it's phenomenal it's, and he, he plays it so well the the awkwardness is completely one way because it's all in his own head yeah and he, he carries it across so well that you know like obviously Roz immediately knows that who his dream is about just from mm. his, his body language really um and it's so well done by Kate, uh, by Kelsey in the sense that it's it's quite it's quite understated in an obvious way if that makes mm. sense yeah it's not, it is it's not just obvious like oh my like jumping around like he jumps out of the chair yeah yeah, yeah. um it's more nuance so yeah I really like it I think it's it's really well done by Kelsey I mean Edward Hibbert his whole performance as Gillen this episode is incredible but the lines here like Frasier I've come to tempt you and it's like <laughs> so sinful it will send you scuttling to your local padre for absolution I mean the delivery of that line that is like top three Gill lines yeah it's so well done and it and I really like the writing in that it's, it's such a well written line as it's, oh. it's throughout the show it's, it's such a well written line and um, it reminds me a little bit of, um, I think it might be Cape Fear in The Simpsons when, like, Bart thinks everyone's out to kill him and you get all these people delivering what are quite murderous lines in a very innocent context. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's that sort of thing where you've got these lines, you know, the, the tempt you and um, scurrying on for absolution and things like that in this, in this very innocent way from Gil. Um, it works really well. And just the incredible physical comedy of him appearing at the window with the chocolate eclair, like eating it in like the most suggestive way you could possibly ever eat a chocolate Still eclair. not blushing, though. Still not <laughs> blushing. Oh, my God, it's Gil. <laughs> um, are you a fan of chocolate eclairs, Key? Uh, I don't think I've ever had a chocolate eclair. Really? They're not bad. But, I mean, it's, they're, 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 they're a roll. A lot of cream in them. Yeah. I, mean, you... not, I don't like cream. So... Oh, Really? I'm not a big fan of cream. Have I you... find cream is very overused in things. Have you had a profiterole? I don't think so. It's basically a profiterole that's been like extruded into into <laughs> into eclair length. Okay, in kind of adjacent question in a in a box of Cadbury's Heroes, do you like the the chocolate eclairs? You know, the toffee with the chocolate in the middle. I do like them. Yes, so I think but... they are insanely overrated, and I hate them. <laughs> See, I like them, but they irritate me when they get stuck in your teeth. And you're like, they're always oh, the last God. one. Everyone leaves them. No one would willingly choose that over like a, a, a cream egg twisted or a classic dairy milk. You know. See, I don't like cream egg, but other than that, that that's fair. That's fair. I mean, uh, you, you're a dairy milk caramel man through and through. Oh, yeah, I am a dairy. I milk can remember caramel. that since my childhood. You love dairy milk <laughs> caramel. Other oh, chocolate is available. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rudy the Crier. Um, I've kind of put this a bit too much hamming up here for me. Um, 
he's not in the same league as Ben Stiller. Um, no, he's not. not he's not. Um, even close. No. Um, I, I can't remember specifically what he says that would prompt me to put too much hamming. I don't know. Um, he, he's like, <clears throat> Rudy does cry because like, he's on about like, oh, she lifted her head off the pillow, said, I love you. And then she was gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, is that um, is that when he's like, I've told you to stop watching sad movies? Is that yeah, this that's what it is. Yeah, I shouldn't watch. Well, what have we said about watching sad movies? Yeah, I shouldn't watch them. Um, it, it was the delivery of that, and then she was gone. Like the, the pausing, I was like, it's just yeah. no, this isn't working for me, Rudy. Um, no, so. I, I like the idea that it is just a film, and you get that sort of twist of um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't real life, but um, yeah, it doesn't quite land for me. It's I'm with you. Um, but as someone who doesn't watch sad movies, maybe I just don't resonate with Rudy. Do you not watch them because they make you sad or because you're pretty impervious to feeling sad? Um, they make me sad. I don't understand. Like, the world's a miserable place. Why would you make yourself more miserable? Just I guess sometimes happy catharsis in that. But I mean, I, I, I very rarely cry. And sometimes I'm like, I just want to watch something that's going to make me cry just for the release. I, I very rarely cried. And then I got mm. to about 21. And now films make me cry all the time. Really? If I watched a bucket list, I'm like, oh, oh. Morgan Freeman, Dan Nicholson, <laughs> my boys. Um, I mean, nothing will ever make me cry like when I was 15 years old watching Lord of the Rings Return of the King for the first time. I mean, I cried about seven separate instances in that film. And I mean, bawling my eyes. Um, Why? Why? Because it's the most beautiful saga ever told coming to an end. Wait, were I you mean, just crying because it was end? Oh my no, God, I cried when I cried with the you bow to no one. I cried when Sam's remembering the strawberry fields on the side of Mount Doom. I cried oh, when, yeah. you know, he tells Sam to go home because Gollum's manipulated him. See, um, my problem is, is that I hate a lot of characters in Northern Ireland. Like What? What, Frodo? Frodo, but he's like the main man. Yeah, and I hate him. He takes advantage of Sam. Okay, he does, but only because so- the rings influencing him. I disagree. Okay, I think he was taking advantage. I disagree. I just think he was a bad apple. <laughs> he was a bad apple against Honestly, Sam. How can you? How can up. you hate characters in Lord of the Rings, man? Oh well, you sit down. I've got a list. Do you prefer <laughs> Star Wars, Lord of the Rings? Oh. I don't trust anyone that prefers Star Wars. I'm not Lord a huge of the Rings. fan of Star Wars. My only, I think, my problem with Lord of the Rings is because I get annoyed by how long it is. <gasps> I'm, I'm extended there. edition ride or die, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there like, well, I should have gotten there by now. Even the X70 <laughs> would have gotten there by now. That's a bloody dreadful bus. <laughs> I mean, the extended edition Return of the King is over four hours, and I've seen I, it multiple I, times. I kind of want to go see Dune in the cinema when it comes out. I think next week or so. Yeah, but it's two and a half hours, and I just Mate, don't know. The don't Bond wanna... film is nearly three. That's, I don't want to commit that. Listen, okay, I'm sure all of Hollywood listens to this podcast. So let's be clear about this, people. Okay, yeah. TV and film are going on for too long. Okay? I'm with you. I am so with you. I, can't I hate long films. To a three-hour film, okay? Mm. I want a ninety minutes. 120 minutes absolute maximum but you better justify it yeah okay if that's the most i'm going to commit to a film okay yeah. it's just if you can oh. make a good film and it's 100 minutes then brother take the oscar from me you know yeah. that's the, that's the sweet spot um i'm i'm any film over two hours and i'm immediately thinking you gotta justify this now you gotta you gotta earn this run yeah you do I, um you've got, so if, if you can't tell a story i mean Make it a two-parter, uh, or cut the filler, or something. But just, just it's too long for me. In in defence of the Bond film, which I was very skeptical skeptical of going in, I'm a huge Bond fan. I'm not 
Craig's biggest fan. So I, I went with an open mind, very pleasantly surprised. And it did fly by thinking it, the, it takes a long time to end. Um, no time to die. You know, the title is kind of, you know, amazingly accurate there. Um, but yeah, um, there was something else. Oh yeah. And June, I would like to see Dune, and this is a very petty point, but I'm kind of sick of seeing Timothy Chalamet and everything. Um, yeah, I hear like there's a picture of him in a new Wonka film, oh, and yeah. he oh, just he's just got Marvel. a hat on and everyone went mental. I'm like, I don't need to see a creepy Wonka prequel, and Gene I, Wilder's performance is a masterpiece. I just don't I don't think anyone needed to see another Charlie Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka film ever no, again. We have the, the best Wilder performance ever, and then we have Johnny Depp's pedo version. Honestly, you know, I hate the Johnny Depp version. Yeah, we don't so need much. he's such a nonce in it. We don't need more nonce wonkers. <laughs> nonce cut. <laughs> okay, let's get back on track, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> um, some lovely repartee with Fraser and Ros at this point. Bulldog getting in on the act, but through dramatic irony is amazing. I'm, he has no idea. I just love the fact Bulldog had no idea at all, <laughs> but he does now. Okay. And he's like, no, I didn't. Whoa. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I was like, I do now. Whoa. I put that's one of my favorite deliveries of, of Bulldog to the whole show. Um, coffee count. I've got two for this week. I think we moved to Navosa after this. It's when Fraser and Nars are discussing the dream. Um, totaling 105 i think that brings us to so far i put all right let me have it next who says that all right let me have it um so basically fraser um is this tells cool? niles the dream yeah uh finishes it in you know at the shower turns off and out steps a man all right let me have it um yeah. it's like is it and it's like is this in the dream or is this <laughs> yeah, is that like a quote that? or are you <laughs> to read out? um when gil comes in which is amazing um like his little cameo here yeah um i love how he's just stopped by to say this then leave he's not getting coffee or anything he just walks no. in and says it, he just leave. he just saw him outside and this is an opportunity to he, he to, came up to with a clever line and he just needs to deliver it like, that's the kind of man gil is um yeah. He says, I, I, a little birdie tells me I feature in your midnight movie. Is that what he says? Movie? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Movie. It's just a strange, strange phrase. I love it. I'm going to be honest. Dream. If someone had a section about me, I'd rub it in constantly. I'd be, really? I'd be making little jokes about it all the time. I mean, I'm not going to get personal here, and you're safe from this, but I've definitely had those kinds of dreams about people we know. Um, you know, so. Wait a minute. You're saying you've, you've had it about people we know, but not me. What's going on there, mate? What's that about? Uh, I mean, I can't say... I'm not good enough for your dream. (laughs) I can't say for certain, you know. I I, I couldn't really put a a name on it, but, you know, I'm just saying I'm no stranger to these midnight movies myself. Um, I put here that Frasier turns into a real creepy misogynist to overcome his anxieties. His flirting with the waitress is horrendous. It's Um, not good. Obviously, Niall says, you know, you're overcompensating here. It's just like, oh, I thought I'd remember such a pretty face. Like, I know he's kind of joking but it's extraordinarily uncomfortable and like if i was this waitress i'd be like throwing this guy out for sexual harassment you know yeah it's it's, it's not too much good is it it's not it's good not flirting good. Put it like it's that. not good it's, um fraser's um, not good at flirting at the best of times yeah i mean how do you i mean what are your obviously fraser sexuality is something that's sort of explored to an extent the fact that he says he's too he's, it's a little late for latency and mm-hmm. um how let's go beyond the obvious interpretation i mean do you think this episode says anything to about fraser's attitude or thoughts towards like, homosexuality because well, i was watching an episode of seinfeld where i think uh, George is like very affronted the idea that people think he's gay and things mm. like that. And it, that's sort that's of coming so George. Like a lot of commentary and things like that about his attitude towards it. And mm. 
how people per- would perceive him. Do you think this episode says anything about that in terms of Frazier's approach? It's a really good question. Something to reflect on, I think, because I think with George, he is st- everyone in Seinfeld is so kind of just not a good person that it makes sense for George to be affronted by that. Like, oh yeah, George isn't a good person, so you know he's got these pretty twisted views. But Frazier obviously is meant to be the moral good. Um, and yeah, I do, I do feel like he feels insecure about this. But then, like, there are other episodes where, like, the Doctor is out where he's mistaken for being gay, and he just goes along for the rise. I mean, you know, he's kind of like, I don't know. It's just, I, I think he is making a commentary on it. I, I'm not sure specifically what what I would think that is like because I've I've, watched, I've shown Charles a few a few kind of classic farce episodes, and she just can't get over the fact that like she's watched about three episodes now where the main comedy plot point is someone is gay and thinks someone else is gay, but they're not, and she's like, is this just not like a little bit offensive? It's like no, but they were written by a gay writer, and she's yeah. just like, yeah, but I just don't get it. You know, there's there's, there's just a lot of episodes that seem to be revolving around this. Like, well, in in my defense, I've shown you three like you know by choice. There are a lot of other episodes where this wasn't a plot. Where this isn't the case. But like her saying that, which just kind of real, really kind of brought it home to me that that is, it is used as the butt of a joke a lot. I mean, that's Joe Keenan's prerogative, you know. They're great episodes and they're funny and he's a great writer. I think if, if Joe Keenan had the chance to write some episodes now in a new season, would he fall back on that kind of comedy? I think he'd probably be the first person to say, no, he probably wouldn't, you know. There'd probably be a new angle, but I don't know what's your take on on Fraser's kind of view of of others perceiving him as gay, etc. I it's a bit like you. It's sort of a, I don't really know what to think in a sense of it. In mm. the sense that I don't think he's affronted in the same way that in Seinfeld it was sort of like in Seinfeld he, he saw as I think George was sort of more in in a way kind of takes it as sort of an insult to be yeah. thought of as being gay. I don't think Fraser goes to that though. He seems quite open, doesn't he, Fraser? It's like, well, maybe, you know, I always, I was always sensitive as a child. I mean, that's yeah. a terrible stereotype, but he always seems like he might be open to the fact that maybe he is. Yeah. I don't know. And, and I think there is more of a sort of progressive outlook in this than, hmm. let's say, Seinfeld. I don't know. Is it just a little... T- I'd, it'd be interesting. i say, if you were writing this in 2021, would you write the episode in the same way or would you... I don't know. I mean, you've got that sort of that psychology approach to it where i feel that there's still a perception of our oh, psychologist everything comes down to sex everything yeah who do you want yeah. to sleep with who are you not sleeping with and um yeah. oh i guess i must want to sleep with an ex-family member things like that so in a sense that you can kind of get why they instantly sort of bore down into that sort of well mm. um so yeah i don't know really it was a question i asked without having an answer myself no but i think it's a really good question i think it is the kind of central hook of this episode and it's why i enjoy this episode so much i think it's like there's a lot of food for thought beyond the kind of weird noiry dream world of this plot um you know there is actually kind of big questions fraser's asking admittedly maybe a little heavy-handedly but you know um just out of interest i haven't looked who wrote this episode oh written by rob greenberg don't know anything about rob greenberg in terms of his fraser chops so um you might be curious to to see you know what, what what else he's done um a brilliant line when Niles is doing his word association now about Daphne. It's like French maid. It's like, you were three words of a cigarette. Um, <laughs> absolutely amazing delivery. Like just one of the best of this episode, I think. Um, I do find their ultimate conclusion here a bit reductive. The conflict will have passed from your unconscious to your unconscious mind, etc., etc. Now I'll sleep soundly. The dream will have solved its purpose. 
is this really how dreams work? I'm not so sure. I've had plenty of recurring stress dreams, for example, when I'm about to teach and the night before I'll have a dream where everything goes wrong. Um, I then teach Um, a really good class and I have the same dream, you know, a week later. Like, I don't think this is how dreams work. No, I frequently have dreams around work. Yeah. And I'm clearly thinking about work. It's in my head. So, yeah, I don't think any way at all it's um the subconscious and conscious mind makes any difference whatsoever no i don't think things can pass from one to the other and then they're instantly solved i just human psyche is just so unfathomably complex and dreams like we still don't know what the hell they are i mean freud might have written a book the interpretation of dreams i mean it's largely debunked now as is most of freud's stuff but we you know 100 years later we still don't know what dreams are what they mean we don't know how to properly measure them um, I mean, I, I have a Garmin watch, which is meant to like, monitor your sleep as well. It's pretty notoriously bad for monitoring sleep. Um, but it's interesting to see, you know, when I'm in rapid eye movement sleep or when I'm in deep sleep, you know, it, it, dreams are just nuts, man. They're absolutely nuts. Um, um, Gil returns. Oh, sorry, what are you going to say? say uh, Rob Greenberg. Yeah. Um, just looking at FraserOnline.co.uk. Mm. Um, apparently he wrote, or at least co-wrote, uh, Moondance chest pains the focus group three dates and a breakup fraser's imaginary friend dial m for martin fraser gotta have it and the show where woody shows up gotta be honest that is a pretty good portfolio of episodes not bad at all is it really Um, really good a few maybe questionable ones the woody one focus group but generally i mean some of my top tens there chest pains um so Good stuff. Um, I think he probably wrote more than that, and they've just picked out some of the best or picked a few highlights from Greenberg's career. Yeah, but um, yeah. Um, Gil returns for a second night now. Key. Um, is this one where first the the woman? I think appears. a woman comes in and goes. Oh, sorry, wrong. Room. My goodness. I mean, <laughs> don't want to get bogged down in that, but that's quite a sight. Um, oh, then Gil Gil comes in after the after this particularly. I like to think that she walked in and you went, "Oh, it's Gina in accounting." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if only my dreams look like that. Um, and Eddie's in Fraser's bed. How has this happened? Presumably, he sleeps with Martin and the door is shut. So. How yeah, has he got Fraser's bed? It's a strange one. I can't imagine Fraser tolerating that. No, and like he wakes so... up to him like kissing him, doesn't he? I think. Um, or does he just wake up and see him? I can't remember. Um, I mean, would you, if you had a dream like this, would you go and discuss it with everyone? Absolutely because not. If I if I had a, a sex dream, I would not probably sit my brother down and go, "Listen, mate, this is what happened." Okay. No. And, it's I, fu- I feel that's not a conversation we're having. It's funny, though, because I did once have such a strange and explicit dream involving such a large group of friends that I did tell them all about it. And it became a bit of a, a running joke. Um, <laughs> like, it's our, our group of friends. Um, and Because we used to go camping a lot, like camping in, in Michael Shannon's garden. Um, and it involved a tent. Um that's all I'll say. But uh, it became a running joke because, like, what the hell did I eat in that night? You know, presumably shitloads of cheese or something. Um, but your dreams are screwy as hell, man. They're screwy as hell. Um, Martin and Daphne with their fake noir dialogue on the elevator now. Um, we kind of spoke a little bit about this. I mean, what do, do you like this generally? Okay, you're going to kill me for this, but it's like my favorite bit of the episode. Is right, your favorite bit of I the love episode. If, if, you, if we think back in six months, oh, what do you remember? I'll remember Chesty, mm. and I'll remember this. And that's, wow. that these are like my defining bits of the episode, is this, and it's what I remember. I really like it. I think it's just a really nice, just a bit of fun that Daphne and Martin are having. 
And it's the sort of fun, if I lived in a place like the Elliott Bay Towers, I would mm. be having that sort of fun. I'd be, really? I'd be going up and down the lift all day, um, trying to scare random old ladies into thinking I'm part of some international gang or some conspiracy. Mm. Um, and it'd be fun. That's just what I'd do. I mean, I like this up, and t- up until the woodchuck line, and then I'm just like... Because you know the woodchuck, and you think he's a very reputable person. I think she's slandering the woodchuck. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's a very stand-up guy. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah. I mean, listeners, let us know. I, I don't want this to turn into just another Will poops on a Daphne scene again, but that is it is her only scene. Um, and you know, I'm not a big fan, so you know, maybe that is exactly what I'm doing. Um, I put here that they're they're putting so much stock into the significance of, of this dream rather than just chalking it off as what it literally is. A dream is just a chemical misfiring or whatever in the brain. Um, you know, Freud's dream theories have, have long been invalidated, um, but they're, they're leaning pretty heavily into the Freudian interpretation that, especially the word association thing they play back at Nervosa. I mean, that is, that is pure hokum, but that's pseudoscience at its very best. I'm seeing it with word association. I, I don't get it at all. To get just... from crescent lamp to diet. I mean, that that is your brain making connect. That's confirmation bias. Your brain's just finding things it wants to find and connections that don't exist. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just think dreams are weird. You should just accept them for what they are. They're just weird that we yeah. don't know why we're having them. They're just you know? a weird thing that happens. And at best, you're getting a nice story out of it. Exactly. A nice, or maybe um, a short story, you know. Yeah. You know, I know I've written about my dreams before. They've, they've been useful in writing. So I'm, I'm sure, I mean, at best, you can write a sitcom episode out of it. That's what's mm. the best scenario. There you it? go. Um, so I just, yeah, I'm just, I do think they're putting too much stock into their theories here. Um, and question, I love, oh, sorry, you go. I was going to say, I love Martin's attitude to, I mean, that your, Martin's attitude is basically your attitude. Like, the dreams go. are screwy, see? Weird. They come, they go. Just enjoy the good ones. Like when you're in a jungle with Jane Mansfield, you get bitten by a snake. <laughs> you know what happens when you get bitten by a snake, don't you? <laughs> you know what Jane Mansfield is, don't you? <laughs> I just love that. That is so Martin. I just love it. Honestly, man. There's always this debate. It's like Ursula Andrus, Angie Dickinson in the woods with Jane Mansfield. Um, it's just, yeah. I mean, it depends where she gets bit. If she gets bit on a, like the knee, it's not sexy, is it? You know? I don't know. It's just not the most sexy. Do you want to um, suck that poison up my knee? That'd be great. Cheers. Let's hope she gets bitten in a erogenous stone for Martin's sake. There we go. Um, <laughs> can't believe I've said that line out loud. Um, David Hypeus's delivery here of don't stop now when Daphne's talking about her dream. I think with with a, a female friend that she Is had. A gymnast, I think she I was. I think so. I mean, yeah. this gets a little hot and heavy. I mean, I'm I'm with Niles here and wanting this to maybe go on a little longer than it does. <laughs> We've got to have it. <laughs> <laughs> I just just kills me. Um, why? What's Daphne's deal with the fish here? Okay, now back me up. People who think I hate Daphne, this is terrible writing for her. She just keeps going. And what swims in the sea? Fish. She just won't shut up about fish. Uh, what, yeah, but well, well, okay. Fish have gills. Gill. <laughs> Chesterton. Chesterton. Fish. <laughs> I just gills. think. This is insane. I don't get it. I don't. Why is she so pent up with the idea about fish? Um, listeners, I mean, if you've got any thoughts, let us know. Look, I see where she's coming from. 
Do you? A little bit. There, there you mean. go. <laughs> See where she's coming from. <laughs> Look, the woodchuck really screwed her over. Honestly. Okay? Now never, she just thinks about fish. You should never have gone back to zero. That's your problem. <laughs> um, Frasier's just delivery of, it's okay. All I wanted to do is have sex with my dead mother. Um, this is not okay to say out loud, even as an open-minded, qualified doctor currently puzzling through his dreams in the episode of a TV show. This is a really effed up line to say out loud for someone to overhear. And he says it with far too much confidence for my liking. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's weird as fuck. Bit of a strange one, isn't it? It's I mean... really weird. Um, I just, yeah, I'm not buying this. I just think, come on, rein it in a little. Um, I mean, we have the third visitation of Gil and possibly his most iconic delivery. What does he say when he comes out of the bathroom? Okay. Patience, daddy. <laughs> Patience, daddy, indeed. Um, <laughs> so I think this is when, when Frasier is up um, and he's kind of like, you know... He's he expects his, his mother. Table. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and Martin's up as well. He shouldn't have had that third Slim Jim. So we presume Martin's got up because he needed to drop a deuce or has he got like acid reflux? I mean, a Slim Jim is based like a pepperami, I think. Um, okay. I had a quick um, Google. That's what it looked like to me. I would think like, yeah, maybe heartburn or something. Then. You reckon he's not like needing to drop a deuce? I- I'm going to be honest. I hadn't given a great, <laughs> a great deal of thought to it. Um, but I suppose I'm, I'm hosting a, a major podcast. I should be. Okay. Yeah, let's you need to think this. about the, the bowel movements of these characters. <laughs> Otherwise, what's this all about? <laughs> you know, why would you, you really stop and properly consider the bowel movements of these characters <laughs> in this episode? I mean, listeners, get in. What's your vote? Is Martin up because he's got heartburn because he needs to drop a deuce or simply, you know, the, pe- the presumably a lot of processed sugars and salts in that Slim Jim. Maybe it's just keeping him awake. I don't know. I get the vibe. I mean, he doesn't... I don't recall him going to the bathroom. No, I don't. You don't see but, him go to the bathroom. So I'm thinking, therefore, he's just got, like, heartburn or something like that. Mm, I tell you, I, you know, my age now, I'm getting heartburn if I eat too late at night. So, really? Yeah. You got a pop of Rennie's or... Oh, honestly, I've got packs in, in the bathroom. Really? Now. I mean, touch wood. I'm someone who... I don't think I've ever suffered from that. And I... I eat disgustingly fast, like to the detriment of my entire metabolism. So I should get it. It's because know. I'm getting into the habit of eating quite late and then going to bed soon after. And that's Ooh. never a good idea. Isn't like, what's the worst offenders? Because I'd imagine like cheesy pizza is like an absolute, that's like a big, yeah, it's anything that's thing. like greasy, really. Greasy. The worst. Oh, if you ever have one of those like Rustler's burgers that you just put in the microwave for two minutes. Oh, God. That's, <laughs> that's the worst one. I've never had one of them. Are they horrible or does that actually taste quite good? I mean, I've, I'm not anyone. No one should ever take my word as to the quality of cuisine. But oh, I quite Newgate like sausage in a can. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Newgate sausage and I, beans. I like mate. sausage and beans in a can now, so I'm right with Ooh, you. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, I have them like weekly. <laughs> You absolutely converted me, but Rustler Burgers, what's the final word on there? I would recommend them, but... How often do you have them? Well, I, I tend to have at least one in the house at a time because then I know <laughs> if I've got a late night, it's like two minutes to make them. Oh, my God. And the whole thing know, goes into the microwave, does it not bun and all? Um, well, I wouldn't recommend putting the bun in because you're gonna it gets a bit like hard, the bread goes hard in the microwave, yeah. so... What I tend to do, my little trick, is... Uh, oh, here we go. I just, <laughs> Easy rams. <laughs> I just toast the bread, the toast the bun, put the meat, well, the meat, the newspaper clippings <laughs> in the microwave. Um, meat. <laughs> and then um, you just put the cheese on top. It's very nice. So, does, it, does it come in a pack, like, as a fully assembled burger? Yeah, it does. Okay, yeah. does it have, like, any salad bits in it, or...? 
No, no. It's, it's got just some, cheese, bone, and bread. It's got like a sauce that you can put on if you want, but I would not recommend the sauce. Wow, is it like burger sauce? Like, yeah. which is always very, very kind of nondescript to me. It's kind of yeah. indeterminate. Oh, is this mayo? Is this ketchup? Is it both? I'm not really sure what it is. And I think I had it once when I was like 10. I did not enjoy it. It was a really long like... night. So um, mm. I think I'm not the, the biggest fan of the sauce, but the burger itself is very edible. Well, there you have it. If you, anyone wants to see Key's recipe for the Rustler Burger, it'll be on the website after this episode. <laughs> um, I put, I love the apartment at this point where they're talking. I'm a huge sucker for nighttime scenes in the apartment. I've said this a billion times. Super cosy. I think this episode generally, I don't know if you'd agree, has a cosy vibe. It um, does. I think there's a lot of scenes at, at night. It's dark. Sleepy. In a, yeah, in a sort of room, you sort of, groggy you look like you're wrapped up in bed it's yeah it's quite a cozy episode in many ways i think it is um very cozy indeed and i just i just love the fact that they're they're kind of up doing this you know having a bit of a tete-a-tete about the dream um some great lines martin you know really drives me crazy the way you all touch each other about like <laughs> men of, of of the new generation i mean I don't talk to me about football players banning people's butts and everything because that's different. That's sports. That's, <laughs> that's like war. Sports. <laughs> that's like war. Um, he's so funny at this point, but like it is such an antiquated worldview. Like, you know, to think like I couldn't just, you know, give you a hug or whatever and I saw you because of it's not war or we're not on a football pitch. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, we have the brilliant West Side storyline now as well. Like even gangs that dance, especially, especially gangs, gangs that, that dance. Absolutely amazing. Um I've put here, um, oh yeah, so ultimately Frasier's theory is that his radio show was that bad, his brain invented a problem for him that was essentially unsolvable to keep him entertained. The theory kind of holds up in the world of, in the, world of the show, okay. um, knowing Frasier as we do, but I have put here, it's a bit of a cop-out for me. Um, how else could they have satisfyingly ended this episode like, I think personally, I would have liked to have just seen him go to bed, Gil appears again, and the episode remains unanswered. Um, because it just makes future episodes of Gil that much more interesting, because we think, what's yeah. going on? Yeah, I think I'd like that. Uh, I'd like an unresolved ending. Or um, even even if, like, Gil had appeared and um, sort of Frazier just sort of, like, falls back into his pillow and says, oh, maybe Dad was just right or something like that, where mm. he just accepts dreams are weird or something like that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Sigmund Freud ending. But... I hate the Freud ending. Uh, <laughs> to quote yeah. my bullet point here, Freud getting into bed, what the actual fuck, lol? <laughs> That's literally what I've put here. Um, I think this is absolutely insane. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's also just a bit strange. And ultimately, is essentially the ending I just said I wanted, that Frasier hasn't fixed anything. Um, he's going to bed with a weird... He's just changed the identity of his... Yeah, but it's still, a dr- it's still the same kind of you know ideology that was keeping him awake at night am i am i gay or am i not or whatever it's still unanswered um and you know it gets revisited in future episodes i mean maybe what should have happened was bulldog walks through at the end that would have been great yeah oh my god i'd love that um or bulldog and gil for a little menage a trois um that is a funny ending but yeah i just what the hell um so there you go um, that's how it ends. Freud gets into bed with Frasier. Not something I thought I'd say out loud. Um, is this in your top 10, Key? It is not in my top 10. It's not in your top 10. Ask me. 
It is not. I'm sure it's not in your top ten. But is it in your top ten, Will? This episode is in my top ten. You just said you hated the ending and you hated the elevator scene. I hate the elevator scene. The ending's screwy, but this episode is in my top ten. What? (laughs) I swear on your life. You've been having little pops at this episode all the way through. And that's not true. Oh, I don't like Rudy. I don't like (laughs) oh and this kid who's like 14. What's he doing? And oh, I hate Daphne, right? What's the fish about Gil? Gills? What? Oh, and Freud. Oh, jeez, I hate that scene. <laughs> but I uh, love the episode. Okay, <laughs> I swear on your life, part of me has been but trying don't to swear be... on my life. No, no, no I, I swear am. On <laughs> okay, I swear on my <laughs> life, part of me has been kind of pussyfooting a little bit through this review because I didn't want to give it away really early on. But this episode okay. has always been in my top 10. I, I have my written top 10 somewhere online, as I've said. It's yeah. set in stone. This episode is on there and it remains a top 10 for me. Um, okay, talk me through this one. Such a huge it. surprise to people. I know this is going to be crazy, but it's the fact that I love dreams and I've always loved dreams. And this is like the only Frasier episode other than Freudian sleep, which I do not count, that focuses on, on dreams in any way. Um, really cozy aesthetic throughout, kind of a great episode to watch late at night, I think. There's no shouting. There's no kind of like big arguments. It's all very sleepy and cozy. Um, I love the hotel aesthetic. I love Gil, so it's a strong Gil episode. Um, I just, yeah, I think it is literally just the dream concept. And I think as a plot, it's really unique in the show. There's no episode quite like this to me, um, like in terms of using dreams and weird interpretations and things. I don't know. There, obviously, there are, there are gay farce episodes, but I think as, as far as it goes, it's quite an original an original thing. And this is a really tiny tangent that doesn't go into the factoring, but... Um, that book that I've mentioned a billion times that I had as a kid, Mysteries of the Unexplained, mm-hmm. um, there was a really creepy um, like story in there that was called The Impossible Dream or something, which was about this massive wrecking ball that was stolen from a, a construction site in the middle of the night that weighed 100 tons, and they have no idea how it could possibly have been moved. Um, and I always think about that when I see The Impossible Dream. But yeah, okay. top 10, Kay. I think just for me, because I'm not that invested in the dream. I don't really care if he's got a thing for girl or if he wants to date someone like girl. You know, if he wants to date a guy, I don't care enough. Mm. So for me, there's no weight to the episode. I'm just like, oh, well, he had a dream. Dreams are weird. Isn't that funny? They I, are like weird. The, I, I like the bit in the left. <laughs> um, <and> then, <laughs> so I think that it's... Um, I think that's the reason it, maybe it's not that big a deal for me. So it's just a bit middle of the road. It's a bit, yeah, it's fine. I, I don't care enough to get invested. I completely agree. And I think for a lot of people, this will be a very middle of the road one. Like, so I think it's kind of nice maybe for both of us to maybe have like one, a few of these kind of wild card top tens, because this is, you know, this is 100% in my top 10. I'd be very surprised if anyone who joins us for the for the, the season recap live at the end of season four, if it's anyone's top episode pick for that season. Um, I mean, it's not to say it's my top pick for this season because I have already given a spoiler. Two of my top tens are in this season. You've already, you've just got one. No, no, three. Three of my top tens are yeah, in this I mean, season. If, there's only, if there was only two, then I'm confident I know what the other one is. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think you know what the other one is, but then there's obviously another one which might be a bit of a wild card. We don't know. Um, but yeah, hopefully that's throwing a spanner in the works. People course, at home. Um, this episode, The Impossible Dream, um, as people may recall, once upon a time in season one of this show, we said we were going to like, oh, this episode title comes from this. And then we always forget. Um, do you know where The Impossible Dream comes from? 
is it like dream the impossible dream yeah the song yeah yeah it's, i really like that song actually it's what song. is the song uh, the impossible dream yeah to be willing to give when there's no more to give to be willing to die so that honor and justice may live wow uh, and if i know i'll only be true to this glorious quest that my heart will lie peaceful and calm when i'm laid to rest um and yeah, to dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, to bear, bear with unbearable sorrow, to run where the brave dare not go. Jeez, who's that boy? Um, I've got Jack Jones up here, whether he did the original or I feel like Sinatra definitely did a cover of it that. Feels, it feels very my way doesn't it, as it well? Does, um, it? Yeah. Big my way vibes. Um, who have you gone for actor pick, Key? Um, yeah. Oh, well, okay. I like Gil in this episode. Mm. Um, he doesn't have a great amount to do, but what he does, he does really well. He does. He's so There's good at those cameo bits. Really iconic lines. I really like that. I think Frasier obviously runs the episode. It's such. Mm-hmm. It's a very Frasier-heavy episode. It is. Martin has a couple of nice bits, and I really like Daphne in the lift scene as well. Mm. But do they have enough to justify giving it to them? That's the question. Hmm. Um, possibly not but then I'm going to completely contradict myself and I'm going to give it to Gil despite the fact Gil is the, in it possibly even less than them um, just because I, I love I love Gil so much and I'd like to have seen a lot more of Gil and um, the bits he does have I think are very funny and I hmm. love the fact that he goes into Nervosa just to deliver a good line basically I so, love that just, he's just walking home and he thinks I'm going to pop in here and, um... yeah so for that reason I'm going to give it to Gil Oh, I love that, Gil. I love that you picked Gil. I feel like I'm stabbing him in the back by not picking him um, because <laughs> I think I have picked him once before now. Um, but I can't remember what episode it was for. You have um, definitely picked him before. I think yeah. it was the one where um, Fraser's just trying to get them all to go on strike and he yeah. has literally one line in it. And you're like, yeah, but that line was the best line. So I, I think it was She's it. the Boss, maybe. Um, or, or no, mate, yeah, one around season three is opening. Uh, I've gone for Frasier, um, probably unsurprisingly. It, it, he is the meat that holds this episode together. I, I like the fact that it's, you know, that he's dreaming and puzzling through it, even if some of the logic is flawed. I think that's part of the fun. Um, yeah, there's, it, it's pretty slim pick into this episode, so there's not too much to say on that. Um, Kenny Burlingay, how would you react tonight if you go to bed? Mm. You're, having a, you're, you're asleep. You wake up in a city hotel room. You hear the shower and out steps Kennedy. What's your next move? You've got five minutes before your alarm goes off and you wake up. How do you how do you how do you take this moment? Because this is the only time you're ever going to interact with him. Because of course, in real life, he's too busy to see you. In the words of Homer Simpson, mm. I'd strap myself in and feel the G's. <laughs> feel the bees, <laughs> the burnings. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. No further explanations needed. All that remains is to play Who's Crazy Anyway before we jump over to listen to mail. This week, Key, who uses the word specifics? Specifics. Specifics. Not physics. Not or... physics or Pacific. Specifics. <laughs> Specifics. Specifics. Okay. Um, oh, my my immediate thought is that it's going to be Frasier, isn't it? It's like, oh, I'm not going to go into the specifics of the dream. Mm. Um, maybe Niles could say, oh, well, you know, if we if we delve into the specifics of this, but um, it's got to be one or the other. I don't feel like anyone else is going to say that because um, I don't think anyone else cares enough to want to go into it. Um. So I'm going to go with my first thought, which was Frasier. And I'm going to say he was like, I don't want to go into the specifics of the dream. 
You are absolutely correct, Jay. Um, it's when Roz is pushing him. So who is it then? Oh, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get into the specifics. Gina and Accounting. Look, I'm not going. I'm not going to do this. Um, so absolutely spot on. Well played, Jay. Shall we jump over to listen to mail? Yeah, let's do it, mate. Excellent. Roz, who's our next caller? Um, okay, listen to mail. This week we've had a lot of actual responses, which is really nice. It feels like a while since we've read um some listener mail out. I don't know if that's just me, okay? I don't know if it's because we've been behind a little bit, but uh, it's nice to get back to it. Um, Queen Shortcoming opens with love that Martin has friends called Boom Boom and Wolfman but wants to th- explain the origin of Jim and Bud Lol. Though I do love the setup for we're Sherry Drinker's dad. Think about it. Maybe foreshadowing eight eps ahead. Mm, there we go. Good comment. Uh, next up, we've got Sydney Aspasket who says, Gentlemen, welcome back. What a great episode to kick off season four with. Zero coffees in the season opener, so nothing to report there. This episode is in my top 10. Ooh, that's um, the it, two Mrs. Cranes, of course. Is the two Mrs. Cranes. Did yeah. I put this in my top 10? I can't remember. I don't think you did. I don't think, no, okay. I don't think you did. Are um, we both on five, by the way, for that? I, I'm going to be honest. I have absolutely no idea anymore. I, let's just, okay, I'll, qu- I'll quickly go through. I think I can remember. Travels with, for me, Travels with Martin, My Coffee with Niles, um, Chess Pains, The Innkeepers, The Impossible Dream, I think that's five. And for you, it was Travels with Martin, Author, Author, Moon yep. Dance, The Innkeepers. Um, and you've had another one. Maybe it is the two, Mrs. Crane. Oh, bugger, man. <laughs> Let me get KSC out. I'll, yeah, I'll have to go through the list of episodes. One sec. You didn't pick my coffee with Niles. No, I didn't. Um, At the end of season one, we both had two. And difference being author author compared to coffee with Niles. Yeah. Did you pick the matchmaker or the candidate or flower no, child? No, I don't think I did. Um, um I feel like in season three. Did you go you didn't go breaking the ice in season three? No, but that's like eleven for me. Like that could okay. so be in there. Um Moon Dance definitely was. Yeah, I feel it might have been the two Mrs. Cranes, you know. Maybe it was. I do I do feel like we're both on five. Um We'll, we'll go back and check. I, I feel think... like you might have said to Mrs. Cranes, and that was what prompted me to do my little teaser to say that there are two, three of mine in this season. Um, yeah, I feel like you might have said something like, oh, and that's halfway key. Um, yes. Like, yeah. So, so I I, we'll go possible. back and check, but I think two Mrs. Cranes was in your top yeah. 10 um, because you, you loved like the, the bees line and I do love the bees. And you loved Clive. <laughs> he was in a card in there because he flowed fast. <laughs> Not true. He was scared of bees. Scared of bees. <laughs> um, okay, back to listener mail. Um, Apologies. Yeah, back to Sydney Ass Basket. Um, so yeah, Mrs. Crane is in the top 10. Uh, it's one of my favourites for the farce, but also because it was the first episode I remember seeing on air in Channel 4, on Channel 4 in the UK back on Friday evenings right after Friends in the 90s. What a great time for sitcoms. I'm really looking forward to the season four reviews we have coming our way. It's an excellent season. Keep up the good work. Yours, Sydney. Beautiful stuff. I don't remember Frasier being on a Friday night. I remember, for me, it was always like in the mornings. Oh yeah, this this would have been like proper nineties when it was airing. Yeah. Airing, I think we're 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 spoiled with the the reruns. Um, abducted flower sack puts. Hi, fellow Fraser folk. I've been listening to the podcast from the start and love it, but finally decided to sign up to Reddit to join in the fun. I don't normally do social media. I've been watching Frasier regularly since it was on Channel 4 in the UK in the 90s. There we go again. <laughs> I bought the original DVDs when they were first out. I'm always glad to find other Frasier fans as I find so few of them in real life. Certainly not enough to get my references. Niles is my favourite TV character of all time. 
Really enjoyed this week's episode and think the two Mrs. Cranes is a very strong Daphne episode. Those are few and far between, but Roz is quietly brilliant in this episode. As always, Perry Gilpin has little to do, but does it superbly. Clive's accent is awful, but I enjoyed the episode so much that I'm just used to it by now. Enjoying the podcast as always. P.S. I really wanted the username a simple Visigoth metaphor, but sadly it was too long. That line makes me laugh out loud every time I even think about it. I had to settle for a Niles classic instead. I love abductive flowers. I mean, I'm pretty so sure was, was Niles not having dreams in that episode where of them sending muffins in the yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's it's worked perfectly, hasn't Incredible. it? Incredible. Um, next up, I think we've got Crabber eighty eight. Um, we have who says season four great opening episode guys i've always loved the two mrs cranes i go back and forth with it being in my top 10 mm. um first off you guys are talking about rattlesnake ridge i live in north california and we have a road out here called rattlesnake rd um it's a common name for a road or an area in more rural areas of the or atia is that i think it's meant to be area oh okay yeah yeah an area in more rural areas of the united states um, clams are pretty common in the coastal areas. They use the um, commercial fish off the north coast of Oregon, and they use razor clams as bait. It made me not want to eat a clam anytime soon. Ugh. I've watched all of Frasier in a month or less. Oh, yeah, we did talk about this, didn't we? Yeah, what's like, what is a period of time? What is something that sounds, imp- it sounds very normal and not impressive at all, but is actually very impressive? Mm. Like if you said I've watched all of Frasier in two weeks, I'd consider that very, very impressive. I still sounds... think I still think in a month is isn't it's not too I, bad going. I think a month is very impressive. Mm. Um, two weeks is to, ridiculous. If you said to someone, "Oh yeah, I watched all of Frasier in a month," they'd be like, "Yeah, okay." But that's it, very impressive when you think about it. I mean, two weeks. There's two hundred and sixty something episodes, and that's fourteen days. Um, I don't want to do the maths here, but you need to be watching like all day, every day, 12, 13 episodes a day. I mean, about that. That's a challenge for you. That probably, one. probably more. Uh, yeah, crazy. <laughs> um, when we get to the end of the entire podcast, we just will lock ourselves into a dome for two weeks and just watch 12 to 13. And, and record our breakdown, and that yeah. will be like the final ending. <laughs> the, the ending of both us and the show. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, they, they continue. Uh, when I fished, sometimes I'll be off work uh, for a while between seasons or for weather, um, and they take advantage of your time and just watch Frasier on the sofa. Um to the point where their, fr- their wife would come home from work and say, really, Frasier? Again? Really? Wow. Um, my all-time favourite line is from later on this season. I bounce um, back and forth on whether or not I believe it was accepted. I think not. I mean scripted, maybe. They meant to put scripted and it was auto-corrected or something. Oh, okay. That makes, that makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah, whether it was scripted or not. Um, David Hyde Pierce is the one who delivers it and the look he gets from Martin and Daphne... Daphne. Um, Daphne. <laughs> Daphne. Uh, the look he gets from Martin and Daphne makes it look like he just threw it in there randomly. Every time I hear it, I burst out laughing. Have a great day. I'm sorry for the long comment. Don't be sorry, Crab Race. Yeah, Don't be sorry. I'm trying to remember. I, I can see him. He's at the dinner table, like sorting through food, and he's standing between the two of them sitting down. I think it's at a nickname he had at school, um, but I can't fully remember the line, but I know exactly what they're referring to, so we'll get there soon. Um I'll read, I'll read the next two because obviously one's short. KM Saxon puts, oh, and some great celebrity callers in Love Bites Dark, some well-known sportscasters, and the real 
Dr. Julius Irving. <laughs> so thank you for that, Cam Saxon. Uh, Ludicrous Popinjay put, Gentlemen, welcome back from your hiatus. What a fantastic episode, Starlord Season 4. It's one of his favourite episodes. So fun and so funny. I love all of the characters in this episode, but I simply adore how difficult Martin makes the evening after Frasier and Niles imply that he can't keep up with yet another farce. I agree with you, Key. His obvious delight in creating complications earn him the act of the week. Even if he isn't there at the crescendo, his indignance at being patronised sets the whole farce into motion. Daphne and Roz, my joint runners-up because they knock every everything they're given completely out of the ballpark, especially Perry Gilpin, whose sultry walk can almost restore the last lingering shreds of my heterosexuality. Love, love that. So good. Um, Niles is obviously glee, obvious glee at being Daphne's husband for a night. is deliciously funny and Frasier's physicality is so good in this episode, but Martin takes the crown. I mean, that, that like, can you stay for dinner? Just amazing. Um, no one in the US calls vacuums hovers. I think that's purely a British thing. How weird, because in Home Alone, hmm. that's what he confuses hover for. He says, oh, the vacuum guy. Um, yes, yeah, true. So yeah. I don't know. I don't, yeah, maybe, I don't know if it's a regional thing. I'm not second guessing you, Ludacris. You are American and we are not. Um, Will, I'm glad to see you're edging closer to MLB fandom. I suggest my beloved Chicago Cubs is your underdog National League team. I have always had a thing for the Cubs if I was going to pick a team. Um, they're not terribly good right now, having traded away nearly all of their best players, but they're young and hungry, and I'm hopeful about their future. They also play at Wrigley Field, classic, really great park. Um, some some legends that have played there. Um, I like the idea of the roundtable for your 100th episode. Perhaps you should have a discussion about themes in Frasier, class, race, sexuality, gender. I'll be very into that because I think we can touch on those things anyway. Um, yeah. And I think we have a, a pretty kind of decent demographic of people who are very invested in those same things. So yeah. and I think it'd be um, interesting to take it across a broader because obviously we do it in the context of one episode at a time. Yeah. But to consider it across the show more broadly, it'd be quite interesting. Very much so. Um, Matt Baum has done some really good videos on YouTube covering this theme. He might be a good place to start on that particular subject, maybe even a good interview subject too. To close, you brighten my Sundays with last and good cheer. And I thank you from the bottom of my shoes. Yours sincerely, Ludicrous Poppinjay. Lovely stuff. Uh, next up, I think we've got KM Saxon, who says, uh, just listen to the latest podcast, great as usual. Uh, the Impossible Dream, not one of my favourites, so I find it a little repetitive. Uh, my favourite part, however, is Martin and Frazier's conversation about West Side Story. Um, and then again, a bit about gangs at dance being especially scary. Especially gangs at dance. Um, I also think the Martin advice that Frazier would have known by now, if he was gay, is a great way to shut that argument down. Yeah, I very, very much agree. Um, it does kind of shut down the discussions. Like, it's like, Dad, am I gay? It's like, you know, are you attracted to men? No, there you go. You know, <laughs> simple, simple as that. Um, brownish cats. I can't believe you've already uh, says sorry. I can't believe you're already on season four. I just watched this episode last night in preparation for the podcast, and my sister happened to join me. We were both laughing out loud by the end. For some reason, I had totally thought that Daphne and Clive reconciled at the end of the episode rather than the actual ending. Lol. I'm excited to hear your thoughts, Will and Key. I'm very happy to be ringing in a new season. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you very much. I'd have liked to see more of Clive, so I'd like them to have um, dated for a bit. Yeah. yeah, I could have I'd... seen that. Um, I got on board with that. Next up, we've got, I think, Sid Sara, who says, um, okay, I've got no idea where I'm meant to submit trivia. Um, so, so I'm just going to post it generally. Uh, and it can either be trivia or listener mail. So, um, but Impossible Dream, Martin mentions dreaming about a certain Hollywood celebrity. Well, who is the celebrity? I believe it's Jay Mansfield. It is Jay Mansfield. Jay Mansfield. Uh, and as a bonus, who is the famous daughter of this celebrity? And what record does she hold that Kelsey Grammer once held? Jesus. Um, 
I've got no idea who the daughter might be. Um, um, what record does she hold? Um, I don't know. Oh. I'd have had no idea if it had been for me. Oh, I have no idea. I'm going to have to tap out. Um, Mariska Hargitay. Mm. And she yes. was the longest running actor in one role on a live action US primetime television. Um, wow. It's Olivia Benson, who I'm assuming is the character. There we go. Oh, Good yeah. stuff. Um, right over to Cam Winston. Uh, Kia ora, my boys. Season four is about to have a season, unlike you, one of my favourites. The two Mrs. Cranes is in my top ten favourites for sure. This is a very popular episode with the listeners. And like you, Kia, I laughed out loud constantly during the episode. Another top ten is coming up, and to be more specific, a top three for me. Ooh. Other stuff, you mentioned how stunning and sexy Ros looked when she walked toward five <laughs> in the doorway of the apartment. I have to wholeheartedly agree with this. However, there is really any moment in the show's 11 seasons where she isn't sexy. Also, Clive's been pining for five years for Daphne, which is a little creepy, but isn't that what Niles does for her too? Yeah, completely valid point. I'm starting to worry what vibe are we giving off on this show? It's all right. <laughs> well, I heard you lost it after Ross, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, you two are really horny. Let me just say, so am I. <laughs> no, no, Cam Winston, we completely agree with you on the Ross front there. Accents were talked about as well. And firstly, thank you for loving the New Zealand accent. To me, it's bland and boring, but the rest of the world seem to love it. Personally, I love four worldly accents, Italian, French, Canadian, and American. They get me every time. I mean, Americans might resent being lumped in with one accent there. I'm not sure. Um, but obviously we know what you mean of course Hamish um, question for you two lovely men how many different dialects of British are there can include Wales and Scotland too I've got That's... no idea but I would guess well over 200 yeah there's, I mean pretty much every area of certainly England would claim to have a different accent mm. um, like so we're Birmingham so we've got a Brummie accent but if you go just down the road to Wolverhampton they have a black country accent which is slightly different uh, to us the rest of the world says they're the same but they're not um and I was actually speaking to someone from... Um, from <laughs> his, his glasses on. <laughs> uh, I was speaking to someone from Scotland the other day, and they were telling me the difference between a Glaswegian accent and a Edinburgh accent. Mm. And they also mentioned an Aberdeen accent. So I'm guessing that it's very much the same. I assume as, as well in, in Wales, that if you speak to someone in Carmarthen and someone in Cardiff, they'll have different... They will have different regional accents. So... <laughs> My answer is a lot. <laughs> I'm going to shock you, Kay. I've just Googled it. Um, I don't know what website this is, but it seems to be pretty valid across a few. There are 40 different dialects in the UK um, that, are, that sound totally different from each other. Now, if that's, the, if that's the conditions you're using, if there are some that sound quite similar to each other, there's probably more than 40. But, I mean, it's very hard to put a quali- quantitative figure on that kind of thing. I've, um, I've got one. I've literally just typed in how many accents in the UK. And the first thing that came up was one that said there's 56 Brit- different British accents. Right. Whereas in America, the all, all of America has apparently 42. Wow. And okay. Canada has just seven. Goodness. So I'm not entirely sure how seven. reliable that is. Apparently, apparently Canada United, is huge. <laughs> according to this, the United Kingdom is un- has an unusually high number of regional accents. Wow. I do love that, though. It's so iconic to this, these aisles, the sceptered aisle. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so. an interesting thing because your accent, uh, I remember someone once telling me your accent can be, I think, is it divergent or convergent? Mm. So when you're, so when I lived in London, my Brummie accent became more Brummie because apparently I've got a divergent accent. So on a subliminal level, I try and stand out. So if I'm around people who aren't Brummie, I become more Brummie. 
Right. Um, whereas if Shan goes to London, she will pick up, she will change her accent quite easily wow. on a subliminal level so as to fit in. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Accents are amazing, I think. Um, I really, yeah, love that. And just the fact that we have a very unique accent to a lot of our listeners, I think that we're the only. I think we're the only Brits that host a Fraser podcast, let alone the only Brummies, you know. We have, like, one of the most iconic, and I don't mean loved, accents in the UK. It's quite weird. I was speaking to someone the other day who told me... I met them in person for the first time, and we'd obviously... We'd only met on Zoom previously. Mm. Uh, and he told me... He said, um, have you got... Do you have an accent there? And I was like, yeah. And he went, oh, because you don't have an accent on Zoom. You're very neutral on Zoom. And I wow. Like, and I went, oh, okay. And he said, whereas when you meet you in person... You've got an accent, I can tell. Wow. <laughs> okay. Maybe if you've been modifying it for the big wigs. Uh, um, is Reckler up next, Kay? Uh, I think it is. It's uh, Is it me? It's me. I think so. I think yeah. it's you. Next up, we've got Reckler, who says, Pleased to hear Daphne was chosen by your will. Have you each picked her once now? Uh, I think each? picked her so. twice, I think. Have I picked her twice? Nice. I think so. And I am yet to pick her. Ooh, okay. Reckler, <laughs> I am going to get the entire run of the show and I'm never going to pick her. I think you will at some point. Um, but in fairness, I have been a lot nicer to Daphne in this episode than Will has. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Daphne says, I will quickly summarize why I love this episode. A, fa- <laughs> a fantastic farce episode that shows how si- a simple lie can spiral out of control. I love Daphne and Ros's argument and Clive's accent didn't bother me in the slightest. As for Love Bites Dog, even though Bulldog isn't my favourite, I still found this episode entertaining. Despite how, ba- how bad I, f- um, I felt for Bulldog, my attention was more focused on the Daphne and Martin subplot. Uh, Martin's shuffle behind Daphne was hilarious, though I do wonder what happened next. Mm, thank you, Reckler. MK puts, still on my trip, so we'll catch up and be more on top of things eventually, but here's some trivia if the impossible dream. Oh, okay, just one fun bit that popped out here. I know this is just a random coincidence, but in Fraser's dream, there is a blinking red light coming through the window. In 10, season 10, episode 21, The Devil and Dr. Phil, during the final finale sequence with BB being portrayed as devilish, Fraser is in a hotel room with red blinking lights coming through the window. That is the very definition of a fun bit, Corey, and that is what we love from you. So thank you for that great observation. Um, next is it is indeed uh, started to get away from me but I feel like I held it together um, hey Will and Key uh, wow it's amazing how quickly time passes when you're enjoying yourself you've reached season 4 congrats and here's to a great season ahead um, a few thoughts on this week's splendid episode um, you brought up a good point that the full main cast all made full use of their opportunities to shine in this episode definitely my favourite season opener thus far uh, number two, add blueberry muffins to the list of common foods that came out of Kaija. I hope you can give them a try. Uh, three, uh, Will indeed has a good Clive impression. Up there is Dr. Julius Irving mm. and Key's Bulldog. I don't, <laughs> that's not a good impression of mine. Oh, it is. Um, uh, would love to hear him ask, uh, uh, Will, can you, can you say... Oh, is that the uh, space noodle? <laughs> not great, but not terrible. Uh, and then finally, um, totally didn't see Will's choice of Daphne slash Jane Leaves coming. It totally makes sense, but Will hasn't exactly been the biggest fan. <laughs> Busted! <laughs> um, I did think the last bit where she peered through the keyhole to get a last glimpse of Clive was a tad exaggerated, but nevertheless a well-deserved award. Um, my personal favourite line in this episode is Nas's triumphant my brother is impotent. And Frazier's, oh, what the heck. Body I love the way he just kind of like, just he shakes his hands. He sort of slumps back yeah, on this yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, just bring uh, yeah. it on. 
Um, you know, I, I get why she looks through the keyhole because he is a titan of industry and still as handsome as ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, Swan Pippa puts, hi guys, thanks for another great podcast. Good work as always. Just a quick note on about American sport. As an NFL fan, I find the times somewhat okay. And Sundays on Sky Sports, they have a match at 6.05 p.m., 9.25 p.m. and 1.25 a.m. on Sunday. So you can watch maybe one to two if you want it. Second match would be roughly, over roughly at 12.30 a.m. Also, BBC do preview of the previous week and look at the following week's games. Two former NFL players do that on BBC. Also, there are games in Wembley and the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium if you wanted to go. Good work. Thanks for everything. Up the, not there, not quite there yet to finish it, lol. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Swan Pippa. Uh, next up, we've got um, Panzer and Batib. Wow. Um, I knew, this is a, a first-time caller, I believe. I think it is. And I think I've probably just butchered their username. So oh, I'm sorry. no, no, go for it. Um, uh, only just discovered the pod but loving it so far currently bashing my way through season one uh, just remembering if you guys remember or have spoken about the channel 4 idents Kelsey did um, from back when Friday night was Friends and then Frasier wow. <laughs> uh, specifically uh, that's not how you make uh, Doug a la range. you have to baste her first um, I think about this phrase whenever anyone mentions Doug and can't find any trace of it online so please reassure me that I'm not going slowly crazy uh, P.S. I can't bring myself to do an up the villa as a United fan who was at Old Trafford for the match a few weeks ago. It's still too painful. Mm. Well, the pain has fully returned to Villa Park. Yeah, so, we... I mean, it's still there for United. They lost as well, but we're now mutually sad. So, yeah, I don't remember those idents. I've not seen them. Um, though I am a big fan of channel idents generally. Um, I think it'd be a very fun job to design those. I know Channel 4 at the moment is like that, the big metal four that kind of walks around places and yeah, kicks and things. I think it kicks a ball into a window and everyone runs off. So yeah, yeah, and there's like the one on the mountain as well where it shouts. It's quite spooky in a weird way. Um, but no, I, I don't remember Fraser doing those. That's really cool. I'll have to look those up. Um, but yeah, a, a bit of a bump, bumper, I should say. Listen to Mal this week. Really nice to hear from everyone. Yeah. Um, so thank you, everyone. Next week, we will be doing a Crane's Critique. Do you remember this episode, Kay? Um, you remember what happens? Is- this is, what, like, this is the one with T.H. Houghton and his manuscript. Oh, yes, I do like that one. Yeah, mm. I don't remember. It's not one of those that I associate it with the name of the episode. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, I do know it. I do like it, yeah. Excellent. Well, looking forward to that one. Um, but other than that, I've been Will. I've been Kay. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, man. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. <laughs>